What's going on, fellas? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, everybody, you, yourself, right now. I hope you're enjoying your day. Today, we're going to be looking at some of the value running backs. And when I talk about value running backs, I'm talking about rounds five, round six, and later on. This is a a year where, like many others, you need running backs, and you need them early. If you've been drafting so far, you're going to see the need for running backs in your first three picks, probably two of them, if not getting them with your first two back-to-back picks, or if you want to get risky, and I think it's a fine idea, taking three straight running backs this year. When you get to those later rounds, or maybe you only got one running back because there was such great wide receiver value, or you were donkey and took a quarterback in the second round, or you were donkey and took a tight end in the second round of a non-tight end premium league. Well, now you're going to have to start looking at those running backs who have upside in that second and maybe even third tier of guys. I do think there's a good amount of hidden gems or at least value, maybe a safe floor with a good amount of upside to them in their offenses this year that are going unnoticed, that are going outside the top 30 in the running back rankings, at least right now. And I had them a little bit higher than that, or they're just good value based on ADP, which is always going to be the indicator, you always have to baseline something with average draft position. So we're going to talk through a few of these running backs today. I'm going to go deep dive into four of them with three honorable mentions towards the end of this video. But before we get into it, hit that subscribe button. Big old one's going to pop up on the screen, getting a lot of positive feedback about these videos. So I thank you all so much. Subscribe them. There are free rookie rankings down below top 40 for this season redraft 2020 season for all the rookies. Go ahead, check that out. Ring that notification bell, smash that like button, pound the subscribe button, everything that you got to do greatly appreciate it. Now question of the day for you. Do you prefer going back to back picks with your running backs in your first two. How do you approach your running backs early on in the draft? What is your strategy for running backs in this season's draft? Let me know in the comment section. All right, fellas, buckle up. Like always, take your shoes off, relax. I ain't got no shoes on right now. Get them slippers, rocking them real relaxed, real slick for this video. This time is for you. Let's enjoy ourselves. Let's get into this video, starting with the man, Kareem Hunt. Now, Kareem Hunt right now can be had on average based on four for four's average ADP to this point as running back 32 with an early seventh round pick in your 12 team formats. He only played the eight games in 2019 due to his suspension. During that time, he actually did end up having a a surgery on a sports hernia that was very underrated, but it only lasted 46 weeks to recovery time. It's very similar to what Odell did this past year, his teammate. So that was during the suspension. So it never caused him to miss any games. So it kind of went under the radar a little bit. But yeah, right now you can get him somewhere around the the eighth round, the seventh round. He's really getting picked later in the seventh rounds as of late. And last year he had 81 total touches. It comes out to about 10 touches per game, but 4.6 of those touches per game were reception. So the man was catching close to five balls. Half of his touches overall were on receptions. He ended up having 456 total yards and three touchdowns. Now, when he came back for those final eight games of the season, he returned in week nine. He was the most productive player in his backfield, including Nick Chubb by a large margin because of those receptions. He saw 1.24 fantasy points per touch compared to Nick Chubb's 0.67. He was almost doubling up Nick Chubb in fantasy points on a per touch basis. Now, overall, Nick Chubb touched the ball more times, so he ended up scoring a lot more fantasy points. And a lot of that is because of PPR formats. He just had a lot more receptions did Kareem Hunt. Man, oh man, did he ever. He had 37 receptions to Nick Chubb's 15, and he saw 23 more targets in those final eight games. He came on the field, Kareem Hunt. He was playing out of the slot a good amount, which Nick Chubb was not doing. They were both on the field at the exact same time. I mean, Kareem Hunt was on the field for 54% of the snaps during those final eight games, and you had Nick Chubb on the field for still around high 60s in snaps, so they were obviously overlapping. Now, the downsides for Kareem Hunt when he did come back, he just had no red zone work. You ended up having Nick Chubb see 12 carries inside the five-yard line to Kareem Hunt's just one. You ended up seeing just overall the red zone touches were heavily skewed, uh, 31 red zone carries for Nick Chubb to five Kareem Hunt. So you're going to get the pass catching up 
upside, but you're probably very unlikely to end up seeing a lot of red zone work for Kareem Hunt. Now, you did get a decent amount of usage in the red zone when it came to passing plays, which is good upside because he's probably a feature in the red zone on those plays. So that's something to look out for. But Kareem Hunt, not only was he the top productive player in his backfield overall for fantasy last year, those last eight games in terms of fantasy points per touch and efficiency metric, that is very, very good. The touches go up a little bit. He ends up seeing 80 targets this year, or maybe he ends up seeing 90 targets this year instead of the the 45 that he saw last year. And now you're really starting to talk about a huge season where if you're getting him at RB32, it's starting to look a little bit better. And he was top five on a per touch basis in the entire league last year, not even just on his team in terms of being overall productive. Now in the offseason, I'll pop up a graphic of what they ended up doing. This Browns offense went absolutely bonkers for the offensive line. They got Jack Conklin. They got Dedrick Willis, 10th overall in the first round from Alabama in the draft. So they're going to share up an offensive line, maybe the most improved offensive line. Andy Janovich, a very good run blocking fullback. So Hunt's not going to be as involved on the ground in the rushing game, but these things will surely, surely help him. Like I said, he has not missed any time since being in the NFL for injury reasons. Obviously, his suspension reasons and personal issues have kept him out. And then he did have that sports hernia surgery last year, but it kind of went under the radar because he was on suspension. Now, the backfield competition is really just Nick Chubb. I think Dontrell Hilliard is still back there, but he's just going to be fiending for third down or third overall RB touches. And then you have Nick Chubb playing 71% of the snaps overall last year. It was an absolute beast. 298 carries, uh, just under 1,500 yards, eight touchdowns. He did see 50 targets, but he saw 35 of those, the large majority in the first eight games. It dropped off a cliff. It only went to 15 over the final eight games once Kareem Hunt came back. So that's why if you've seen my running back rankings, and I urge you to check out that video, if you've seen that video, you're going to see why there's there's not as much hype into Nick Chubb. I think he's a top 10 running back still, but he, he would be a borderline top five running back if there was no Kareem Hunt in this backfield and his passing game role was a little bit better. So in PPR formats, if you're telling me that as the 32nd running back in the seventh round, I can end up getting Kareem Hunt, who maybe he's not an RB1 status, although if Chubb was to go down, he would be an immediate RB1, especially behind an improved offensive line. It's not like he can't run in between the tackles. He did it for the Kansas City Chiefs. He did it outside the tackles. So this is a very talented player who has upside if there is an injury on his team, probably some of the highest, if not the highest in the entire league. And then outside of that, you're also getting Kareem Hunt too. He's just an absolute PPR monster for you in terms of five receptions per game almost. Maybe maybe that regresses a little bit. If you can just bank on him, even in a flex option with some touchdown upside to be going out there and getting you six to eight fantasy points. If he just catches three balls in a game, gets a couple of carries, 10 touches per game last year was a very good indicator. And the fact that they second round tendered him, that is going to be a very good year for Kareem Hunt based on the value that you get him at. Smash the big old subscribe button that just popped up bottom right hand corner takes a couple seconds of your time. And now Darius guys. Now this one's very, very difficult for me to want to break down because on one hand, carry on Johnson, obviously I'm not as big on him anymore. The backfield, Matt Patricia is a donkey. You have DeAndre Swift coming in there, but really his knee issues for two straight years. He's had wild knee issues and they drafted a guy that's supposed to come in and now take work away from him and maybe even take the job, if not this year, next year in DeAndre Swift. And similar things have happened in a way when you're looking at the Washington Redskins. When we start to break down Darius Geis, I think we should just start with the injury concerns. So I'll pop them up right now. In 2018, he ended up tearing his ACL in the preseason and he missed the entire season. Last year in week one, he has a meniscus tear, another knee injury. He misses six to eight weeks. It doesn't take his entire season away. So he comes back in week 11, plays four games, then gets hurt with an MCL sprain and they shut him down. I mean, so this man is just continuously hurting his knees, very similar to carry on. Johnson first two years. If anything, Karrion Johnson's played in more games than Darius Geis the first two years of their careers. So you should have more concerns about Geis. Now, did they draft a replacement, uh, quote unquote, a replacement, the Washington Redskins, like the Detroit Lions did with DeAndre Swift? Short answer is no. They did draft Antonio Gibson, who was a running back slash wide receiver hybrid, but maybe they did something worse by just signing every single running back they possibly could. Adrian Peterson, they still have. They got Antonio Gibson in the draft. They have Bryce Love, who was hurt last year. They signed Peyton Barber. They signed JD McKissick. They signed the entire free agency class of just 
busty old running backs, i.e. Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick. So there is some competition in that regard for Darius Geis. I mean, they currently have seven running backs on the entire roster, six of which I've just named so far in this video. And the other one you don't really need to know much about, but they're going to cut some of these. Like I think Adrian Peterson, even if he has money in his contract, he's going to be a cut candidate. I think Bryce Love is going to be a cut candidate. And then you have between J.D. McKissick and Peyton Barber. If they're not going to cut one of those other guys, they keep AP. One of those guys probably uh, gets let go. Peyton Barber overall, he did sign a contract. It was two years, $3 million, but it has an out after this year with only $600,000 guaranteed. So if J.D. McKissick comes in, takes his job, I think those two guys might battle for really that third running back spot or fourth running back spot, depending on how many they want to keep on the roster. There's a lot of red flags there, but I mean, you're getting him as the RB34 with a late seventh round pick, early eighth round pick in 12 team formats with the upside. And he showed it last year in those four weeks, if he can just stay healthy with the upside of honestly being a borderline top 10 running back. I do think that's Darius Geis' season. If you tell me that he stays healthy for 16 games, you have a 35 and a half year old once the season starts, Adrian Peterson out there. And then your only other competition is Antonio Gibson, who they've already said they want to use as sort of this gadget player. And usually those gadget players, they'll take away from the upside, the receptions a little bit from the the main running back, but it usually gets phased out a little bit. It's just like three to five plays a game, maybe from that player. And they've already said that they have a lot of trust in Darius Geis. And it's hard not to when he's on the field. He was on the field for five games last year. Week one, he got hurt. So let's talk about week 11 to week 14. During that four week stretch, he ended up seeing an RB1 performance in the entire league in week 13. He had 137 yards and two touchdowns, scored 27.7 PPR points. He had four receptions for 59 yards on six targets during that time. He led his entire team in yards per route run, 1.84 from the running back position. He was just insanely efficient, 7.1 yards per carries on 32 attempts. He was the number one player in yards created in the entire NFL for his four week stretch for any running backs that had at least five carries. Number one in the entire league in yards created. That is absolutely insane. Running behind an offensive line that was not good in terms of run blocking efficiency. I mean, Adrian Peterson was close to 35 years old last year when he was running and creating yards 14th in that category alone. They were doing this behind an offensive line that was bottom third in the league. So these guys were balling out out there. So yeah, Darius Geis, he showed you the upside. When you can create yards on your own, independent of your offensive line, you are a special talent. He was doing that for a quarter of the season when he was healthy last year. Imagine if we get the entire year out of him. This guy has not just one RB1 performance in him. That's not just a a one-off thing from him. No, he has special talent. The former LSU product has a ton of talent and he can catch the ball as well. Their offseason was filled with just signing every dusty old running back on the market, but they also signed some really decent tight ends in terms of run blocking. Logan Thomas, former Detroit Lion, Richard Rogers, former Lion, former Packer, been around the league a little bit. So they got some run blocking tight ends. They got Cornelius Lucas, an offensive tackle, and they picked up some offensive line help. Overall, Geis' stat line was playing on 33.7% of the snaps. He had 42 carries for 245 yards, three touchdowns. He caught seven of his 10 targets, 70% catch rate, saw two targets per game, ended up having 79 overall yards. I think that right now you take the stab on him in these rounds. When you're looking at players in these rounds, you're seeing some consistency pieces, and we'll get to some more of those, Kareem Hunt being one of them that we just talked about. Then you just see a lot of guys in handcuff situations that you know for a fact is probably going to be like a 40% split with one or two running backs. Whereas Darius Geis, yes, maybe there's a little bit of a split with Adrian Peterson at the start of it. But when he was healthy last year, they wanted to give him the rock. They started to give him the rock more and then his MCL got injured. So they ended up just shutting him down. If he can go out there in week one in this preseason and just claim his spot, he's going to jump in ADP by two rounds. If they say he is our starting running back, he's our guy. Instead of getting him at RB 34 or 35, like you are right now, he's going to end up pushing in a top 20 running back, a top 25 running back. Antonio Gibson, who we talked about, I'll just touch on his Memphis career. He was the guy with the smallest sample, but the biggest upside in his touches. So he'll either be a great option because you've got the sample and it was right. And now he's going to pop off or a terrible option because of the small sample size bias. I mean, the guy in his entire career only had 307 offensive touches. He had a 33 carries, 369 yards and four touchdowns, just insane efficiency, 38 receptions on 58 targets, 735 yards. He saw a 14.9 yards per touch. Like think about that again, 14.9. I just told you that Darius guys saw 7.1 yards per carry. And that probably was like 
like, oh my God, he, he had over five yards per carry, he had over six, seven. That's insane. Now I'm telling you that this man had 14.9 yards per touch. So Antonio Gibson is the king of just small sample size in his entire college career, only ending up seeing somewhere in the, the 75 total range of touches when he was there at Memphis. But he's going to be here as this gadget guy has a lot of upside. So I do fear that he takes a little bit away from Geis and pushes him a little bit. But if Geis is healthy, that's the biggest concern. Geis's competition is not with 35 and a half year old Adrian Peterson or a gadget guy coming out of Memphis that really hasn't done well for most running back. It's with a guy named Darius Geis himself. So James White, I think is one of those stable pieces in those middle rounds where you can get hopefully not as your RB2, but your RB3 or even your RB4. I was actually able to get Darius Geis as my RB3 and James White in a draft that I did yesterday as my RB4. You can currently get James White as the RB41, which is an early eighth round pick, a middle eighth round pick in your 12 team formats. In 2019, he played in 15 games. He played on 44% of the snaps. He ended up seeing 67 carries, 263 yards, five total touchdowns. But the thing that you know James White for and where he produced was 72 receptions, 645 receiving yards on 95 targets. He was one of the most efficient running backs in the league last year and productive running backs when it came to pass catching ability. He was third in running back receiving yards. He was sixth in receptions and sixth in targets and second in yards per touch. This is the biggest thing that I'll say about James White. Uh, Second in yards per touch, he has been one of the most efficient running backs in the entire league. Dating back to the beginning of 2018, he is a top three running back in terms of fantasy points per touch. And last year, he was number two in yards per touch out of all the running backs in the league. He has just been absolutely efficient. He struggled last year with creating yards, so that's why he wasn't number one overall. But yards per touch for him has been an absolute dime. A lot of that is Tom Brady checking down. So we'll see what Jared Stidham does in this offense. We'll see if it's going to impact James White. I think that it's pushing a lot of these players down in New England, Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, James White. So I think you're getting value on all these Patriots players because right now you're getting them at what their floors are. Like if James White goes out there as your RB41, your fourth overall running back, and he lays a stinker, big deal. But if he goes out there and he's normal James White, he's a strong flex option with RB2 upside for you. In the offseason, the Patriots honestly did not do a lot. Their their draft was terrible. Bill Belichick just gets the, the check mark next to him and nobody talks too much about him because the Packers were just historically bad at their draft and it's Bill Belichick. So him drafting uh, two tight ends in like the third round, him drafting a player nobody's ever heard of with their first pick um, overall in that draft and nobody bats an eye at it because it's Bill Belichick. So he must be a genius. But personally, it was a terrible draft. And then their acquisitions, not much. They have Marquise Lee and Demir Burt. Wash out, burnout, wide receiver three and wide receiver fours from the Jaguars for Marquise Lee and the Cardinals for Demir Burt. Not much help there. They got Dan Vitale, a former Packers fullback. They got a backup quarterback, Brian Hoyer, and it seems like they're sticking with Jared Stidham right now. And then they lost a decent amount. So they lost Tom Brady. They lost James Devlin, who's a huge piece of their offense. Like they're going to have to reinvent the offense, likely with Jan- Dan Vitale. And you're going to say, oh, you're, you're crazy. Reinvent the offense. No, they use a fullback more than anybody else in the league, not only for run blocking schemes, but a ton of their, their play action passing a ton of their protection. So Dan Vitale is going to have a huge role, believe it or not. They lost Philip Dorsett on the outside, which based on their receiving core right now is actually a decent size hit. Rob Gronkowski technically lost him since he came out of retirement and left with Brady. Now James White's durability, you can rely on him, which is another nice thing about those middle rounds. He's sort of the opposite of Darius Geis. He missed two games in 2017 with an ankle sprain. And then last year he did miss a game, but it wasn't injury related. The man had a child. Pop it up on the screen right now. Adam Schefter, I believe it was week three of last year, ended up tweeting it. They thought that maybe he was late scratch James White. Oh my God, what's happening here? I remember there was a lot of panic but he ended up just missing with a child. Backfield competition, it's pretty stable from last year and really the last few years. It's Sony Michelle, former Georgia running back, last pick of the first round, former first round pick Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, Brandon Bolden, and Damian Harris. The exact same running backs as last year. Damian Harris, their former pick last year out of Alabama running back, never really saw time. He was actually active for once, Damian Harris, which was one of the very few moments when James White was gone with the birth of his child. Brandon Bolden, somebody that they love on special teams mainly, but he actually got a decent amount of red zone work last year, which was interesting. Sony Michelle was just very bad. And, and this is the last year for Sony Michelle. If you don't prove it, you're going to get absolutely 
absolutely cut. Maybe he'll get benched midseason, but he was so terrible last year. 38% of the snaps, 247 carries, doesn't even break a thousand yards. Doesn't even break a thousand yards, seven total touchdowns, 54th overall in the NFL. There's 32 teams, 54th in overall true yards per carry, which looks at efficiency a little bit more than just normal yards per carry. Rex Burkhead was very productive though. So 27% of the snaps, he was dealing with some injuries, missed a few games, but he had 65 carries, 302 yards and three touchdowns, caught 27 of 38 targets for 279 yards, number four in yards per touch. So the Patriots in their backfield last year had two very productive running backs. And one of them was not named Sonny Michelle, former first round pick. Uh, one was this former fourth round pick, James White, who was number two in yards per touch and Rex Burkhead, who was number four in yards per touch. So there's a lot of question marks around Jared Stenham and what this offense looks like overall. It does look like it's going to be one of the worst offenses in the league. When you break it down, you're getting the value in NFL fantasy football 2020 drafts right now in these guys as if they're going to hit their floor. So if they hit their floor, whatever, they hit value for you at that point. If you're getting James White as the 40th running back off the board at this point, where he's going around a bunch of just handcuffs that don't have pass catching upside. But if he's normal James White, you're going to get a bargain. And if he just gets even more checkdowns or he scores a little bit more touchdowns uh, than what was likely touchdown regression coming his way, he only ended up seeing last year five overall touchdowns from a guy who saw 95 overall targets from a guy who saw around 140 total touches. I think only good can come from James White. And if everything stinks, well, you got him as your RB4. Big old subscribe button just popped up. Take a second, hit that subscribe button. Greatly appreciate it. You're hitting the subscribe button, notification bell allows me to reach more people with these videos, likely how I reached you by a really good margin. So thank you. I do appreciate you doing that. Finally, Tariq Cohen, very similar to James White in terms of not going to be an alpha running back on the ground, although James White has the ability in between the tackles, in my opinion. But Tariq Cohen going to be your pass catching PPR monster. This is the reason I like Tariq Cohen. No, he's not going to be your RB1. That's not the point of this. We're looking for value later in the rounds. You can get him with a late ninth round pick in 12 team formats. It's like RB35 at this point. That's an absolute steal, in my opinion. I mean, you're looking at a guy who played on 50% of the snaps last year, so he was out there a decent amount. And we're not going to really focus on his rushing stats, right? 64 for 213 yards. That's not great, right? It's not great, but it's better than David Montgomery, to be honest with you, on a true yards per carry metric. But we're looking at the 104 targets, the 79 receptions, and 456 yards. He ranked only behind Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey. We know those names, right? We, we love those names in terms of his overall running back targets. He was eighth in routes run for running backs, fourth in receptions, and 10th in receiving yards. He also saw the second fewest stack boxes against him, which just shows you that they know when he's on the field, they're probably going to pass the ball. But there's a little bit of a deceptive factor there when he actually gets to hand the ball off and run the ball up the middle. It's going to be very soft boxes. I think this is very interesting to look at. Cohen's final eight games versus David Montgomery, by far the most effective back. I mean, by twice as much. He was two times better than David Montgomery on a per touch basis in fantasy. 1.1 fantasy points per touch to Montgomery's 0.55 because of those receptions. He had 3.89 yards per carry, true yards per carry compared to David Montgomery's 3.74. He had 41 receptions on 49 targets to Montgomery's seven receptions on nine targets. Look, I obviously know Montgomery's a more in between the tackles guy, but broken tackles player. That's what he got the hype out of college, even though he did nothing after contact last year. But Tariq Cohn, for fantasy purposes, is the best back in this backfield, in my opinion. The offseason saw a decent amount of turnover in Chicago. I mean, for one, they ended up snatching up more tight ends for some reason, letting some more tight ends go, getting Cole Komet in the draft with their first pick, signing Jimmy Graham for some reason to way more money than they should have, getting rid of Trey Burton. Lots of activity around the tight end position overall. I mean, they signed Jason Spriggs. They signed Jermaine Effendi. They signed a decent amount of offensive linemen to try and help out a little bit there, adding some tight end depth in the running game. We're not too concerned about that with Tariq Cohen, just a little bit of a picture of what they did on offense, though. Cohen so far in his career has not missed an NFL game, so the durability factor is surely there. The backfield committee, it's really just David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, then Ryan Nall. Ryan Nall played in the preseason last year. I think he got a couple of touches in the regular season, but nothing major. It's mainly between David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. And David Montgomery saw a brutal, a brutal 3.7 yards per carry last year. He was not good. 242 carries for 889 yards and six touchdowns. As a rookie, he was very ineffective. He only had 25 receptions, 30th in an elusive rating. He broke a ton of tackles. Like he was very good in breaking tackles. He was one of the best players in the league out of all the rookies. He was top two with Josh Jacobs. Strong at breaking tackles. 
You know what he did after those? He was outside the top 35 in yards after contact. So he would break a tackle and then fall right down because he could not get his burst and agility back up. Not great. Look at me, Tariq Cohen. If you're telling me I can get him in the eighth, ninth, or tenth round, I think that's a good spot. Like he is your weight on running back four. You can wait on him for a while and he could be your running back four. If you're taking a lot of, a lot of running backs, he can be your running back five. That's some pretty good depth to have in a pass catching guy who was top three and top five in most running back categories in PPR formats last year when it came to receiving totals. So I have a few honorable mentions for you. The Miami backfield in general is being undervalued. Jordan Howard mainly being drafted outside the top 10 rounds. Matt Breed is starting to get drafted a little bit earlier due to his pass catching ability for PPR formats. I think both of them deserve an honorable mention. Anthony McFarlane out of Pittsburgh. He was a fourth round running back pick for them. I do think he's going to push James Conner. I think he'll be the backup to start the season. I think you'll see either one or both of Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell going to be cut from this team. And then I think he's going to push James Conner. People think James Conner is fantastic because of the year that he had in a very good system, the year that Le'Veon Bell held out. But for the most part, he's not that talented of a running back. Oh my God, he's in the NFL, Sally, and you're sitting at home right now making a video. Yes, relative to other NFL running backs, relative to Anthony McFarland, the talent levels are on different, different extremes. So I do think he's a nice pick that you can have in like your 14th round, 15th round of drafts. And then Keyshawn Vaughn, I'll put on here as an honorable mention as well. But there is a good chance that I think right now he's probably going overdrafted. It doesn't mean he's a bad pick. It doesn't mean that I don't think he can produce for you, but he's likely going to be on the field at least to start the year in some sort of committee. They signed Raymond Calais in the seventh round as well. A lot of people don't remember that. He's a very good pass catching running back. I don't know if he threatens as much. They still have running back depth out there in Dore Ogunbowale as a pass catcher. Ronald Jones, although I don't think he's that great in terms of anything, pass protection, pass catching. There's a really good chance out of an SEC school that Keyshawn Vaughn's the best running back on this team. But does he come out week one and play 60% of the snaps and produce? You had running back roulette last year with all three of their running backs playing 30 to 40% of the snaps in Tampa Bay. I'm not too sure that I'm confident enough in Keyshawn Vaughn to take him where he's currently been going in like the seventh round of drafts, sixth round of drafts. I don't think it's a terrible option. So I think he's worth an honorable mention right now. But I just wanted to point that out because I think a lot of people will say Keyshawn Vaughn's name. A lot of people getting very, very excited for him in this Tom Brady offense. I agree with you. I'm just concerned that is he really worth going that early at this point? If we get some more news that he's going to push Ronald Jones and take over this job, then sure. But if we're not going to get any news and I'm going in there thinking that it's just going to be an upgrade to Peyton Barber from last year, catch a couple of passes, but you're only going to get 35, 40% of the snaps for most of the year. Eh, it's really difficult for me to want to get that as my RB3 around some of these other players that were mentioned in this video at the beginning of it in Kareem Hunt, Darius Geis. So I appreciate you all tuning into the must draft running back values for this year. These are the guys after like round five. If you want to look at some guys before or all across the board, I have a must draft running backs overall video, not just values, but everywhere in the first round, in the third round, in the fifth round, whatever it might be. So I appreciate you tuning into this video. Please do roam around the channel, find some other things, hit that big old subscribe button that's about to pop up. Be sure to download the rookie rankings, the discord that is down below as well. Lots of free stuff down there for you to take advantage of. I hope you all enjoyed this video. You can put your shoes back on. You can go back about your day right now. Hit the subscribe button before you leave. Thank you all so much for tuning into this video. My name is Sal Betri. You all rock, and I will see you in the next one.